Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. If we haven't met, my name is Ryan Moore. I'm the pastor of care here at the Life Christian Church. Today we conclude our series, Heaven on Earth, and last week Pastor Ben spoke on fatherhood, just a great inspiring message. Today I want to look at Heaven on Earth, Empowered community, heaven on earth, empowered community. Uh, Just a little spoiler alert, if you haven't saw the movie Rudy, I'm going to share what it's all about. The iconic film Rudy tells the story of Daniel Rudy Rudiger, who dreamed of playing football for the University of Notre Dame. The movie chronicled Rudy's desire since high school to be part of Notre Dame's famous football team, but faced many obstacles. His dream of belonging to the prestigious Fighting Irish School motivated him to work relentlessly and tirelessly for the opportunity to gain admission into the elite university, then try out for the football team. Despite his academic struggles, his financial difficulties, and athletic shortcomings, Rudy's dream is eventually realized as he attends Notre Dame, and he makes the football practice squad. The story culminates when Rudy is able to suit up for the final game of his senior year, plays the final defensive play of the game, sacks the opposing quarterback, and is carried on his teammate's shoulder before a cheering crowd chanting, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. No other player in Notre Dame history has been carried off the field to that point. The sentiment of this film depicts the strong desire some have to belong to community and the lengths they will go to achieve it. This sense of belonging and acceptance is inherent in the way God designed us. We are made to be an empowered community. In our Western modern society, we're more likely to prioritize ourselves over a group We value independence and also autonomy instead of the group. However, God has instituted his church to be the place where his people belong and can experience together empowered community. So what is community? Community can be defined as God's people called together for God's purposes. God's people called together for God's purposes. So God has called you, God has called me to spread God's love in ever-widening circles, empowered together. So when you become a Christian, you're welcomed into God's community. We are a group of people called out to live for a great purpose, and this becomes our identity. And so today, as we examine Ephesians chapter three, Verse 14 through 21, I pose the question, how can we as a church experience and grow stronger as a community? Paul prays for the church in Ephesus for statements that he desires for them to be. Let's give a little context and just dive right in. In these first three chapters, Paul has been teaching his audience who they are. He, he wants them to understand their new identity in Christ, that we are God's workmanship. We are full of faith in Jesus. We are chosen by God. 
And so Paul concludes his description of our identity as a community of believers in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, by teaching that they have been strengthened in Christ. And his major point here is God wants us to know that we have strength. We can feel so weak in our Christian walk, but God wants us to know that there's strength for us and that strength is accessible to us today. So that gives us our first point today, and it's to be strengthened, be strengthened. We see that in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 16 says this. For this reason, I bend my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self. Paul is telling the community of believers under his care about this prayer that he prays for them. And he begins by telling them, for this reason, I bend my knees to the Father. So to truly understand this prayer, we need to understand what the reason is that he gives for praying it. As, as we look backwards in this letter, we see Paul started to describe to his readers the things he was praying for them. And at the beginning of chapter 3, he begins in verse 1 by saying, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. But then he breaks off and he begins talking about the sense of wonder that he felt under this remarkable privilege that he has and it's been given to him that he should be called by God to actually preach amongst the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, now Paul, you see, was a good preacher. And as you know, good preachers often get caught up so much in the majesty of their subject that they lose track of what they were really trying to say. What was I talking about today? Anyway... Paul resumes his place in verse 14, and he begins there to tell them what it was that he was going to tell them in verse 1. But this means that to find out what he was thinking of when he says, for this reason, we have to go all the way back to the beginning of the letter, to look at how Paul begins his letter after some formal greetings in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So the question is, what are these spiritual blessings? It's all the promises we receive in Christ. It's peace, it's love, it's grace, it's wisdom, it's eternity that we will spend with Jesus, it's joy, it's victory, it's guidance, it's all our needs met. It is power that God gives us. It is knowledge that he gives us. It's his mercy in our lives. It's his forgiveness. It's his righteousness. It's his gifts from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit himself dwelling within us. It's fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's instruction from God's word. It's the illumination of God's word. It's the truth that we hold on to and we walk out. It's spiritual discernment. It's heaven. It's a room in the Father's house that we are guaranteed. It's eternal riches in glory. It's all these things 
are our inheritance of spiritual blessings that we possess now. Let me pause and ask you, dear brother, dear sister in Christ, do you believe this remarkable affirmation? Do you really believe that right now, as a result of you being in Christ by faith, you are already blessed with every possible spiritual blessing there is in the heavenly realms? Do you really believe that in Christ you already have all the riches of heaven at your possession and that because of your relationship with him, there is not a single spiritual thing you'll ever lack in your spiritual storehouse. Do you believe that? And that led Paul to pray that prayer in this passage this morning, back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Our first point, be strengthened. Be strengthened with what? Be strengthened with power. Be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self. And so he prays to the Father for them. And he prays to the Father for us that God would grant us, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might, power, by the Holy Spirit in our inner beings. One of the glorious truths that the Bible teaches us is that when someone becomes a believer in Christ Jesus, we are saved by him. And so when we use that word saved, it means we are free. Jesus has set us free. He frees us from the power and the penalty of sin. And the Father sends the Holy Spirit, the third divine person of the Godhead, to what? Dwell in us. And as Paul says, we are then sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of purchased possession. He not only dwells with us, but he also dwells in us. And here, Paul prays that the resident Holy Spirit would do his work in the inner person of every believer, that he or she would be strengthened through the Holy Spirit in respect to their will, their conscience, their mind, the inner man from which so much of our life flows out of. And notice the details. Paul doesn't just pray that they will be strengthened, but he prays emphatically that they will be literally strengthened with mighty power. He prays that they will be made sufficiently, marvelously, power in their inner life for, for whatever the circumstances may demand of them. And so he prays that this will happen in such a way that every need with respect to the inner man in those circumstances will be met in unlimited abundance because he prays to the Father that he would grant strength according to the riches of his glory. And so what is your inner need in your circumstances of life today? How great is that inner need? The Holy Spirit can strengthen your inner man for these circumstances, no matter how great the need may be. Do you need love? For someone it's hard to love and you can't love in your own power. The Holy Spirit will supply that need. Do you need joy? that will lift you out of the sorrows of your circumstances. The Holy Spirit will give you all the joy and abundance that you need. Do you need peace that calms your heart in the midst of the storms of life? God will grant you peace 
in the midst of the storms of life? Do you need patience and kindness and goodness towards others? God will grant you that. Do you need faithfulness when your heart longs to wonder? Meekness when your heart is proud? Self-control when you're tempted to sin? God has placed his Holy Spirit in us as a community of believers to empower us to live a Christ-like life in our inner man. And so the Holy Spirit is ever available to us. And more than that, he's able to exhibit his fruit in our lives and giving us an unlimited supply of love, an unlimited supply of joy, an unlimited supply of peace and long-suffering and his kindness and his goodness and his gentleness and self-control for every need that we have. And he's able to strengthen us according to the very riches of the Father's own glory. We have access to this power as a community. One of the most practical ways to experience empowered community is through our life teams here and our life groups that will kick off in the fall. And we always say the acronym LIFE stands for life in a family environment. It's where we are together with other people, striving to live the life that God dreams for us, but we're empowered together. We, we can't be empowered in isolation. We have to be empowered together. And these are opportunities that we have to do that here at the Life Christian Church. How are we doing, everybody, in the room? We good? All right. Online, I hope you're good, too. Give me some fist bumps or some uh, thumbs up to know that you're okay as well. This leads Paul to pray something else for us, though. Second point. And the second point draws on what the first point is. He says he wants us to be strengthened, but he also says we are to be able. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, verse 17 going to verse 19 says this. Be able is the point. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Why do we need this strength? Paul explains further in verse 18, Paul has prayed this so that we may be strengthened to comprehend together with all the saints, all the believers, what is the breadth or length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that we may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, consider who Paul is writing to. He's not writing to unbelievers, but to believers, Christians. Paul is praying for God to strengthen them because at times we can let our guard down and spiritually coast through life and not have that intensity for Jesus Christ. And we can forget that our lives are to be controlled by Christ. Christ is to be the very center of our lives, deeply rooted in our hearts. And so why is this important? We need to know the love of Christ. Paul wants us to have the strength to comprehend the dimensions of the love of Christ. Okay, Paul, what is this height? this length, and this depth of Christ's love. Well, if we look at verse 19, Christ's love is immeasurable. You can't calculate Christ's love. 
The love of Christ is so vast that we cannot even begin to comprehend it. That's why it's past our knowledge. But Paul says, I want you to have the strength to try to understand his love and this love that we have. Why do we need to try to understand the vastness of his love? So that we may be filled with the fullness of God. We will not live as God's holy, chosen, empowered community until we try to comprehend the love and the mercy of Christ. We cannot begin to be followers of Jesus, lovers of Jesus, until we try to know the love of Christ. We immediately slip back into our own old thinking and ways when we forget the love of Christ. We stop desiring Jesus when we forget his love for us. We stop following Jesus under the weight of the trials of the enemy and temptations when we forget the love of Christ. So Paul has prayed that you would have enduring spiritual strength. The result of that strength by God through his Holy Spirit is that you'll be rooted and grounded because Christ is at home in your life. And so I have a slide up here of a building and some trees during a hurricane. And as you see on this slide, the building is still standing, and also the trees are still standing as well. Being rooted in Scripture carries an agricultural image, and being grounded or established carries an architecture image. This is our strength. We will be stabilized in our life like a strong tree rooted to the ground. So the storm is coming, but the tree is still standing there because it's what? It's rooted. The building is getting hit by the heavy winds and rains, but it's still there because it's been, what, grounded. It's established. And this picture here of the hurricanes and, and the, the tree building is getting hit strong, but trees, if they're rooted, what, properly, are able to withstand the force that comes against them. When a building is properly established and constructed on a foundation, it's able to withstand the great forces that come against it. And so in the same way, our foundation is the love of God. Our foundation is the love of God. We are rooted and grounded in his love. And when we are strengthened with his power, it stabilizes our life. Whatever comes our way, storms may come in our life, Hardships may come in our life. Defeat may come in our life, but God gives us strength and power as a community to overcome those things and to walk in victory because we are rooted in his love. And this is the only way we'll survive the trials of this life. It's the only way that we'll continue to survive the fierce attacks of our common enemy when we are what? Rooted and grounded in Christ and his love. Amen? Our third point, Paul prays for us, is this. He says, I want you to be filled. I want you to be filled. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 says this, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Sometimes we just want enough of God so that we are protected. We're happy. We're guaranteed heaven when we die. We don't want so much of God that it changes the way we live or alters our priorities. 
We want to keep God under control. But the word for fulfilled here has the idea of being controlled by something. If you are filled with rage, then rage will control your life. If you're filled with love, then love controls your life. If you're filled with joy, joy will control your life. And when you're filled with God, God himself will control your life. And so it pictures the total transformation of our human personality by virtue of the presence of God living within us. This is an amazing thought, to be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's not turn away from this truth and the implications of it. As believers, as a community, we have been created to be containers of God. He desires to pour his life into ours and to fill us. And when he fills us, we are full. But let's think of this theologically for a moment. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, Scripture says this, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And so when we come to Christ in faith, he comes to live in us. And the result is what Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 envisions. God in Christ now reflected in us. Think about it. Someone who owns a car who never puts more gas in his car than he thinks he'll need to get to the next destination. How foolish. Such a practice puts limits on what you can do, opportunities you can take advantage of, and the things you can enjoy. It also fails to take into account the unexpected, like getting stuck in a construction zone or being parked on the Garden State Parkway It doesn't anticipate bad weather or a detour. It's short-sighted. And so Paul is praying that we will fill our lives with God's spirit rather than just trying to just get enough of him to get through the crisis. He says, fill up your tank. Fill up your tank with the presence and the power of God. Yield more and more to God. Get filled up with his presence every day in your life. It's accessible to you. You know, two months ago, I was coming home. I was depleted. It was a tough week. Emotionally, spiritually, physically. I'm driving home, and I look at the gas meter on my tank, and it's at E. And I said... Not only my car is at E, my soul is on E. I'm empty. There's places you can go to fill up your car. But where do you go to fill up your soul? You have to go to the God himself who created you. You have to go to the God himself who created you. And so I pause that day. I got before God. I said, God, just fill me back up. I can't do this on my own strength. I'll just be putting out fumes. You won't get care that week. You'll get fumes. I said, just fill me up, God. And that's exactly what he will do. 
because he wants us to be filled with his presence each and every day. So we should be passionate to know God. We should be eager to follow his counsel. We must be willing to take time and make time from our schedules. We need to learn to trust his way over our desires and even our instincts. We need to keep working at learning how to love those whom God is bringing in our lives and has already brought in our lives. We have to really want a deep and abiding relationship with him. And we must want it enough to take, make those changes in our own life. And so our, our final point is this. He says, be glory, be glory. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, he says, Now to him, this is one of my favorite Bible verses, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works where? Within us. To him be glory in the church, the people of God, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. No matter what we may think, you may think this is impossible. How is that going to happen? It all goes back to the first request. When we are strengthened inside by the Holy Spirit, this is the end result. Yet it seems far out of reach sometimes in our lives. Unless God intervenes, none of this can ever come true. And so how can we know God will do it? How will we know that this big prayer that Paul prays will get answered? And Paul gives us the answer in verse 20 and 21. He says, the answer to this prayer is not up to us. The answer is up to God. And when we look at God's track record, it's perfect. He will always come through because he never fails us. That brings us to this magnificent concluding prayer that Paul prays right here. Now to him who's able to do what? Far more, abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. According to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. I want you to know this. I love this because God's a generational God. It doesn't stop with me. It doesn't stop with you. It goes on to the next generation. That's why we do K-Port. That's why we have these Bible flight camps. That's why we need to teach God's word in our homes to our children. Because the next generation is going to have this. And they're going to taste that victory in their generation. Let's not let the media fool us on this stuff, that our gen the next generation is doomed. No, they're not. If God is in their life, they have power. They have strength. Paul isn't saying, I hope this will happen, but I'm not really sure. I hope this will happen, but maybe, maybe God will come through. He might. I'm not really sure. Good luck, guys. That's not Paul's prayer. I know we live in a world where it's hope so, maybe so, might be. You know, I hope to pay off my debt. I might get the job. I'm not sure if the business is going to do well. That's okay. That's not a sign of weakness to admit your weakness if you're really weak. But in contrast to what we have here, this magnificent statement, God is able to do whatever it takes to answer this prayer. And scripture says, he can do what we ask. So what are you asking God for that will give him glory? 
that will be displayed in your life and in the church? What are you thinking? What are your dreams that God has put in your heart that you're thinking right now that he can answer? Well, the Bible says he can do it. But not only that, he can do all we ask or think. But not only that, he can do more than we ask and more than we think because his plans are bigger than our plans. And so the Bible says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. What is this glory? It's honor due to him. It's praise due to him. It's worship due to him. That we give God everything and he uses it for his glory. I want you to know this. Some things have happened in life that weren't good to us. And God still uses that for his glory. Don't be ashamed of things that happen to us that are bad or evil. God turns those things around for good because he's God. How do we know what this this glory is about? Just in non-spiritual terms, we know what glory is. You go to Yankee Stadium, here are just three of the 27 banners. I think 28 is coming. I'm a big fan. (laughs) But here's three of the banners. You go to Yankee Stadium, you see the glory. Oh, wow, back-to-back-to-back championships. Oh, the Hall of Famers, woo, right? The glory of the Yankees, 27 batters. If you're a basketball fan, you're about to hang another one in California for the Golden State Warriors, right? They've won half the basketball championships in the last eight years. But what do these banners say? These banners say, we're the best. This is our glory. They put them on display. Any arena you go to where they've won championships, those stand forever. But I want you to know this. God says, you're my banner. You're my banner. I'm going to put you on display for my glory. So when people see you, they see God himself on display. I just want to highlight some of the things God is doing. Just one thing because of time that God is doing. I just wanted to highlight how God's getting glory right here at the Life Christian Church. And we have a ministry, you know, uh, called Celebrate Recovery. And this ministry helps heal people from from habits, hurts, and hangups. Because at times, life can get very challenging and unsettled and messy. But I was talking to Brittany Childs, who is um, one of our leaders here of Celebrate Recovery Ministry. And in their last meeting, Uh, Along with Lisa Valentine, she said that there were 50 newcomers to the ministry. 50. That's the biggest total they've had since coming back, since, you know, COVID and everything like that. So I looked at that and I go, wow, how did they they get here? Like, who are these 50 people? And they're they're outsiders in that sense. They've never attended TLCC. But they heard about the ministry and they're coming in to get healing. And so we give God thanks for that because he's drawing them with his love and kindness. And so part of the big picture of the Bible is that God is building for himself a people. God is not just interested in individuals. Of course, he cares for us as an individual, but he also cares about us as a people. And scripture says this in Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, 
Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Jesus came to redeem a people for himself, a community of people who would glorify him in their lives and relationships with each other. And through our relationships with each other, we're being strengthened. We're being able to comprehend his love. We're being able to be filled with God's love and, and to give him glory. And I just want to share a personal story of how God has given me community here at TLCC. Some of you may know back in 2021, February of 2021, I lost my dad, passed away, had an excellent relationship with my dad. And in February of 2021, I never prayed this prayer verbally, but it was my heart's cry. And I said, dad, I said to God the Father, I said, I said, I said Father, I need, I need a dad. I need someone who's gone through this life and has experience to help me navigate this season of my life. And so I just waited. I didn't even look for a person. God sent a person because he's a good God. And he sent this man right here, Kevin Brooks. Every Sunday, I'd run into him, and he'd be talk for long periods of time. And I says, man, everything about him reminds me of my dad. The hats, loves music, loves art. Everybody knows Kevin Brooks in the church. My dad was like that. He'd go walk into a room, he'd know everybody. He called me holidays, weekends. He called me recently just to check on me, just like my dad would. Say, hey, Ryan, how you doing? You all right? And I love you for that because God will supply our need. So whatever you need is coming your way. You just got to think it because he answers those. You can ask it. He answers those as well, but he does it immeasurably more than we can even think or imagine. So I'm thankful for the community that we have here. And see, community requires more than just putting up with one another, but to love one another deeply. And through my relationship with Kevin, Papa, I've learned to know God, the Father, on a different level. I've learned grace on a different dimension because of community. And so take some time this week and pray for yourself, yes, but also pray for someone else, pray for others, and pray for people that God's going to bring into your life, that you would be strengthened with spiritual power, and that we would be able to comprehend just how much we are loved in Christ Jesus as an empowered community. May I offer a prayer? Father, we thank you because you're so, so good to us. You want us to understand the power that we have. It's not hidden, it's accessible. You want us to be filled with your presence. You want to bring forth your glory through us, oh God. So we surrender to you today. 
And we pray that you would do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine because you're God and you never fail us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.